When one player has played five gappers and, and. is out of cards. It says and, okay. How? <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's gappers? why the game's called Stump. Yeah, I'm stuck. All right. Dude, that's harsh. So I draw, right? Yeah, draw. Then I play my 31. Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week are Samurai Warriors Honor Battle It Out card style in Bushido Duels. Next up, our knight goes Columbo as he solves medieval mysteries in Chronicles of Crime 1400. And lastly, we run the numbers to squeeze out a victory in Stump. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello. Ed Povolitis. Hey, Lick Game, guys. And Mike Grenier. Grazie. <laughs> Our first game up this week is Bushido Duels, designed by Per Sundin and Ake Forsland, published by Frozen Maze Games in 2020, number of players 2 to 8, ages 13 and up, playtime 15 to 60 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us, what's in the box? The box for Bushido Duels features three combat-ready anime warriors with expressions ranging from smug to angry, staring right at you. Inside, you'll find 11 cards for each of the eight fighters, so that's 88 cards in total, which break down into six standard attacks, three special attacks, a health tracker, and a mon wheel card. There are also 12 dice, six white and six black, and eight health marker cubes. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you if this game is worth pledging your sword to, Evan, tell us how it's played. Bushido Duels is a card and dice game where samurai warriors try to best their opponent. All players have a hand of nine cards, six identical, and three special techniques unique to their fighter. The key of the game is to predict what card your opponent is going to play and come up with a card from your hand to either counter their move or strike damage to them. The Aha! strength... The strength value of a card determines the amount of damage it can inflict or negate. The speed value of a card determines if an offensive technique strikes with full impact and also determines potential damage reduction. Consult the Mon Wheel to determine interactions between different techniques. Knock out your opponent, win the duel, and become the Bushido your ancestors hoped you would become. Arigato! (laughs) Noise! Good. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so we played this game live at Evans. Yes. Yeah. Oh, COVID yeah. is is just, oh, it's so close to being in the rearview mirror. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. All right, poke, so poke me in the arm, please. <laughs> Give me my jabs. So it was sent to us by Frozen Maze Games. Thank you, Frozen Maze. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Check them out. Love their website. Um, has a lot of information about the um game, and I also like their bios on there. Very cool. Uh, and so when I got it, the first thing I loved about it was the box itself. It's actually a nice quality box. It has that texture to it. You know, it has like a nice uh, Satin feel. finish. Yeah, a nice yeah. feel to it. What do you guys think about the art style? Anime? No? <laughs> yes, it is anime. Undeniably. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, I like the character art. They had a lot of expression. 
I watch a ton of anime, guys. A ton. And so I was really appreciative of the variety here. They had variety as far as like they ate different characters, but each card in the deck was the same character pose and everything, which I totally understand. This is like a smaller company, so we all know that art is crazy expensive. Oh, yeah. The art they had was beautiful, but there wasn't a lot of variation in within the decks. True enough. However, you're playing a deck, so you're going to see that same picture a lot because you're playing mm -hmm. that picture's deck. There was another big part of this game, which was the Mon Wheel, mm -hmm. which was how yep. you played the game. It, it looks intimidating at first because it's these circles uh, in a circle, circles themselves in a circle pattern with a whole slew of lines both emanating from and leading to those circles on the outer path. Yeah, there's nine of them, and uh, each one of them has three that they're more effective against. So each one of them branches out three different ways. I attack you. You attack me. I, I must figure out what I did. Because <laughs> I don't know what I did. Oh, and this, my friend, is horrible. For you or me? For me. Oh, good. Because our uh, defensive technique is zero. <gasps> it is a little confusing seeing all those lines there, and it's helpful for those who are not sure um, which card is attacking the other man. But there's a basic rule that I think simplifies it, is where each man attacks the next four clockwise in a circle. That's that's about as well as it can be put. Without <laughs> getting too confused by it. And believe me, that is necessary. I, it had to be told to me about seven times. I'm like, what? How am I tracking these? So that was a steep learning curve. That mon wheel. It's pretty. It's a. I'll say this. It's attractive enough um, to make me want to learn how it works. So mm -hmm. I give them credit for that. That was it. It didn't scare you, Celeste? Um, you know, it was pretty, though. So when something is intimidating and pretty, most people are attracted to it. The lines themselves create this geometric pattern, which I think yes. is pleasing in itself mm -hmm. to the eye, albeit yeah. intimidating a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was that thing called where you had like a wheel and then you put your pencil inside of this other Spirograph. gear? Spirograph. Spirograph. Yeah, that's what it kind of reminded me <laughs> it of. It does. Yes, yeah, good spiral. point. One, a couple cards have been played. You're kind of thinking, well, I know he doesn't have those cards anymore, so he's got to be one of these. So if I put myself here, I'm more likely to, to get one of his cards. But maybe he thinks I'm going to go here and more likely get his card, or I'll try to reverse psychology him and, and, <laughs> and pick one of the other ones. <laughs> oh, great. It's a princess bride scenario, and the cups are being switched around. <laughs> when I was looking at the symbols, I really wanted to form a strategy by remembering what the other person had used because there's one of each in the deck, I think, of each technique. But there's so many and knowing their relationship is kind of complicated that on a first playthrough, I felt like just picking a random card was just as effective as trying to figure out what my opponent was going to do. Mm, interesting. Well, hmm. <laughs> You've given me something to think <laughs> I've about. I've given you something to think about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for me, I, I was trying to play the odds a little bit where... I was looking at, well, now, if you are playing the totally random strategy, I'm more likely to, to catch him off guard if I pick this one because um, he has less cards to attack me with now if right. I pick this symbol. And I think a few times of playing, will you'll, people will get better at being able to quickly calculate those odds. Mm. Just looking at the chart, it's, it's a little confusing for the first-time player to do that. What did you guys think of the balance of the special abilities? 
Uh, it's hard to know because <laughs> they're pretty, pretty wildly different. Yeah, I found that fun, though. I, I, I agree, though. It would take a while to figure out if the balance is fully there. Do you think uh, certain people could get better at certain ones? You know, do you think people just develop their favorites to play? Um, I, I certainly think that some of the ability might play to other people's play style better than others, which mm. is a common thing where somebody, you know, a, a warrior's special ability fit their way of thinking better and this way they, it jive with them. Right, but it also depends on your opponent and which mm-hmm. who you're going up against. Yeah, you may be great playing, you know, the, the tough, tough, tough warrior, but what about the other options for the person you're working against? You may not match up so great against certain other types of opponents. And I'm pretty sure that there is probably mathematical answer to that question, though, of which one's better than the other ones. Because in any game where you give different powers to almost like similarly started decks, one of those decks is going to be mathematically better in one way or another. There's just no way to make them extremely perfectly evenly balanced. Yeah, but I think that helped mitigate that a bit by making it hard to determine because a lot of those special abilities use dice. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. How about the dice? Uh, What did you guys think of the dice aspect of this game? Too much luck or what? No, I didn't think so because you're rolling 1d3s, uh, a six-sided with uh, basically a a set of ones, set of twos, and set of threes on it. So it doesn't get out of control in that regard. It stays kind of within certain boundaries. And it the rolling of the dice perhaps mitigates some of the otherwise patterns that you could develop in the game or recognize and add that element to it that will keep things more in balance. Yeah, because I think most of the, the, the basic cards that are exactly identical might feel a little deterministic to some people. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, um, the right. dice now throws in a... Uh, hey, I'm going to hope for a good roll here. I agree with you guys for the most part, but then also you have to consider some of the uh, dice rolls are pairing the different numbers together to get results. Some of them are additive. Some of them, I think, are even multiplicative. So that can really make it insane, like, (laughs) you know, uh, insanely different on the results. Ooh, something to go for, though. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's my epic stuff right there. I love that. Keep your health tracker far away from your hand because that thing is not cat friendly. It's that little cute. They give you a little tracking cube to put on a card which tracks your health. It's it slid all over the place. Like I could not keep it straight. Like was it on the four? Was it on the five? The cube is a little bit unfriendly in that way. Yeah, and the numbers are pretty close together on that counter. So just even the slightest one could knock you off one one by one <laughs> in any direction. It doesn't yeah. take much. Just a tip. Keep it aside. But it was a good way to save some money on production, though, because uh, cardboard adding a cardboard component to this would make it a lot more expensive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's, it's totally functional. Just giving you a tip. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Bushido Duels. Evan? Bushido Duels is like playing the kids' card game War, but with extra layers, <laughs> and, it, and a lot rests on your ability to predict your opponent's moves. If you like dueling, this game delivers. Dig it up. Mike? Mm, on first playthrough, I felt like it was too a little bit overwhelming to really formulate a good strategy. 
Um, despite that, I really want to like this game, so I'm going to dig it up for now. Give it another try. Ed? This dual game uses some fairly simple concepts that can be tricky to figure out what a good strategy is to use them and defeat your opponent. <laughs> if you love evenly matched head-to-head duels, you may want to check this game out. But for me, it didn't quite grab me as I prefer a little more magic in my duels. So I'll bow to my opponent in his respects of his victory and bury my sword for the next noble warrior to take up. (laughs) (laughs) Despite finding the Mon symbols a bit of a steep learning curve, I think this game could provide a pair of battle-minded friends, people who like those card dueling games, hours of intricate fun. Dig it up. If you have thoughts about Bushido Duels, let us know. Give us a shout out on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and check out all our fun pics and videos on YouTube and Instagram. Hey, everybody, we just wanted to take a couple minutes to talk about what's going on with which game first. Lots of fun stuff. And to remind you, if you want more content from our show, you can go to our website and become a supporter today. What do they get? if they become a supporter? Well, first thing they do, they get access to our exclusive (laughs) patron-only podcast. (gasps) Bonus points! Yeah, baby. (laughs) Thanks, Ed. (laughs) Thanks for letting me say bonus points for once. (laughs) (laughs) Bonus points is anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes of a lot of fun. Uh, It's a loose casual podcast about whatever we feel like talking about that week often game related but not always just shooting the breeze you know hanging out with each other like we love to do and you get access to our exclusive game room on our discord channel but anybody can join our just discord channel uh, and chat with us directly we're on there every day and we have a special announcement, a special treat for our fans Ooh, this week we were recently showcased on Judge John Hodgman. Wow. Yep, that's right. Not trying to bag, not trying to brag, but our <laughs> our king-making case got taken up by them. Yes. Ooh, so the king-making, the controversy of controversy. Mike yes. and I decided to submit that for judgment. And there was a judgment. <laughs> there was a summary judgment, and we're not going to tell you who came out on top of that one. You're going to have to find that out for yourselves. It's on the episode of Judge John Hodgman marked Willy Nilly. came out in the third week of January, so you could check it out there. Um, lots of love from the John Hodgman show. Thank you very much for showcasing us. Thanks, so man. It was a lot of fun to uh, to hear. <laughs> and if you get a chance we just want to ask you to please review us uh by hitting stars or likes on whatever podcatcher you follow us on whether it's spotify or stitcher but talk about it anywhere like somebody's chatting it up on on some sort of forum and like you got to tell them what's right you know you mentioned us yes yeah put us into whatever you can it really helps others find the show and it helps us grow and we are growing And it's been a lot of fun to have everybody along. Thank you so much. Thank you, patrons. Yes, thank you. We really love you guys. You absolutely keep us rolling. And thanks to everybody for listening. Our next game up is Chronicles of Crime 1400. Designed by David Sikurel and Wojciech Krigowski. Published by Lucky Duck Games in 2020. Number of players 1 to 4, ages 14 and up. Playtime, 60 to 90 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. 
The cover of Chronicles of Crime 1400 features a mysterious and contemplative hooded stranger and his faithful greyhound in a scene seemingly torn from the screen of Assassin's Creed. (laughs) (laughs) Inside this box, you'll discover an evidence board, 30 character cards and one faithful dog, 38 evidence category cards, 15 special item cards, 20 vision cards, 7 double-sided location boards, and a home location board. And that's what's in the box. Before we clue you in on this murder (laughs) mystery game, Evan, tell us how it's played. Chronicles of Crime 1400 is a standalone cooperative game of crime investigation. Interrogate the subjects, collect evidence, and find the culprit before you run out of time. Players take on the role of Abelard Lavelle, who, blessed with prophetic visions, has taken it upon himself to root out evil in the city of Paris. <laughs> At the start of each new case, you'll be presented with glimpses of visions that Abelard has seen. Features seen in these visions might be familiar. However, they could also be completely unknown or even have not yet taken place. Players must make the connections between the visions and reality and put the pieces of the puzzle together. Abelard's family are able to support him on cases. His sister, his uncle, and his brother all have useful abilities which can help him in the investigation. Along the adventure, players will meet a huge variety of characters from professors to market vendors, the nobility to the peasantry, and it will be down to you to decide who is worth your time investigating and who's going to waste your time with their personal issues. You will use the Chronicles of Crime app to inspect all the details of the crime scene, and you'll have to cooperate to pick out the important evidence quickly. Time is limited. So use it wisely and try not to get thrown off the trail. The streets of Paris in 1400 are dangerous, but your investigative skills can bring justice back to Pelly. We played this game live at Evan's house. What a gorgeous game. Components and art, guys. What do you think? Oh, top notch. Some of the best art I've seen. I mean, I think that's... I don't think that's an un, uh, that's an overstatement. It's It's really, really put you into the theme, the feel of the game. It literally puts you in because you have cards that are just a wide card with kind of like a landscape of a, of a location and you're like wondering what must have happened in that place. Yes, so not only are the landscapes evocative, every single face, and there are a lot of faces because you're interviewing people that are involved in the crime, Every single face is very expressive and very specific to the type of character you're talking to. So telling. The art is not just for looks. It is part of the game. Yeah. I mean, I I remember revealing one of the cards, you know, ready immediately. Just on seeing that guy, like, "Uh uh-oh, this guy, not our friend. This is trouble. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh, boy. This this lady's hiding something. (laughs) Which is great because they can give you a bunch of false leads that way just by having really good character art on the cards. Yeah. Just by judging them. Pre-judging, yeah. What did you guys think of the fact that there's a QR square on all these cards? At first, it's a little jarring seeing the QR code there, but when I'm using the app, it's nice to be able to say, oh, I interviewed this person. Boop. Brilliant, because not only uh, is the card closely associated with this QR, they can change the stories all the time with minimal 
additional production cost. Yeah, they don't need any more physical parts to reprogram this entire scenario. They can just reprogram it in the app. And when you choose which adventure you're doing, it'll change what each card means to the game. And, and looking at the app, look like there are some user-created scenarios. Oh, right. Oh. oh, my gosh. That makes perfect sense. You could get downloadable content from crowdsourcing from yep. the fans. Oh, man. So that's cool. so wild. That is yeah. genius. Oh, my gosh. Play through <laughs> fanfic. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. That's brilliant. Do they have a way to actually, as a fan, to go and do that, like a like a framework for that or something? I, I don't know. I just know that when, when I looked at the app, I saw that there, there was a way to get additional content. I was the luckiest, I think, because I got to use the app for what I think is the most engaging part. The app is fully engaging on all fronts, but when you get to review the crime scene using the app, it's a full VR experience. Oh, yeah, that's right. You can, oh, you're the one who got to do that. That was cool. Yes. Now, we all could have done it, but it would have taken mm-hmm. more time if we each reviewed the crime scene, and time is of the essence in this game. You get to look around the room. As you move your phone, you're looking around the room. And you can do this with a VR helmet, too. And as you look around the room, you're supposed to be describing what you see to the other players so that they can pull the appropriate cards. A thrilling experience. I wish there was more of that. I'm sure that was a very expensive thing to program. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's an expensive gimmick for sure. Yeah, yeah. so I kind of wish they only do one per crime you know one of those vr experiences per game basically I'm per not, your crime i'm not sure they implied in the doctor that might come up more than once in a in a scenario a scenario well in this one the, the original scenario there was only one i wish there were more because that was thrilling mm-hmm. that was cool too because me and evan had a deck of cards that just had random lists of objects mm-hmm. and celeste was kind of shouting out oh say okay i see uh potion bottles on the wall and i see a open book and yeah bookshelf and so we would pull out cards that matched the things that she said she was seeing right and we could take the time to investigate them by scanning them it was a fun co-op way of doing that very cleverly designed that we never had to input any commentary or questions everything was done by qr code when you wanted to ask a person about something or someone you would scan the person you're talking to first and then scan the thing you want to ask them about. So you could ask one person about 10 different things on the board, although it waste a ton of time, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, every time you scan, it's a loss of time. Instead of just saying, well, I would ask them about anything, it, it makes you think about, well, I don't think we'll get anything useful if we ask this person about this other guy. Just going to say that. Antonine, 18, came to me a few days ago with a book, 01. Yeah? Yeah. He asked me to hide it somewhere. No one would find it. Okay, where is he it? He explained to the sergeant was looking for it. The sergeant was the looking sergeant for it? The sergeant was looking for the book. Yeah. 12, that, that pink? No, let's uh, ask about the sergeant. That's sergeant. The sergeant came to the workshop a few days earlier, asking about the book, but left when someone approached from the corridor. Anthony was afraid he'd come again. He told me to avoid the sergeant for my own safety. Yeah, okay. I want to. Oh, the guy is who's dirty. We were super involved. And we did great. What did we get? Yeah. 130 out of 100 or something like that? Because we Yeah, we got bonus yeah. points for how fast we finished. <laughs> yeah, because we beat the clock. Mm-hmm. And I thought we were wasting a lot of time. But the, the thing about the clock is they don't tell you what the clock is. It doesn't say 
you know, how much time you actually have. So you're kind of worried all the time about wasting any of that time. Ed wanted to talk a little bit about co-op versus shared experience. So what is this game, Ed? Well, you know, normally when I think of a cooperative game in a sense where each player had different actions they do to, to, to make the goal, or here, we're all collectively deciding what the lead character does. Like, we're, we're, we're kind of like, you know, writing our own movie, and we get to decide what the actor does. Mm, that's a good way to put it, yeah. So nobody has to wait their turn or anything. We just all discuss the mystery together. So it's more of a shared experience as opposed to like each person just doing their own thing, hoping to achieve the same goal. Now, this Chronicles of Crime is a series or it's part of a series, right, Ed? Yeah, it's called the, the Millennium Series. There's um, going to be three separate standalone games, but they take place in different millenniums. We played 1400, but soon... It'll be the 1900 Ooh. and then 2400 to oh. solve Whoa. crimes in the future. The future. You can absolutely see how this game could be expanded and, and go into so many different eras. You could make dozens of games using this format, no doubt about it. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Chronicles of Crime 1400. Ed? Chronicles of Crime. It's a wonderfully produced murder mystery game. The mechanic of scanning to ask questions and get clues works so well and very engaging. I'll dig this up to solve crime in the 1400s. Mike? This game is beautiful, challenging, tense, has limitless room for expansion, and I'm putting it on my list of best game of the year for the firsties Whoa. next year already. <laughs> Dig it up. Evan? Chronicles of Crime 1400 is a well-designed cooperative game. It tells an interesting story and allows for role-playing, <laughs> which I love. Lots of Now, it. I'm not the biggest fan of app-based games because sometimes the, you can become too dependent on the app. But this was not that way. The app did not dominate the game. The players dominated the game. This was so much fun. Dig it up. I enjoyed everything about this seamless game. The setting, the art, the play, the pacing, the journey. Dig it up. If you have thoughts about Chronicles of Crime 1400, let us know. We've got a beautiful unboxing on Instagram. You can reach out to us there on Twitter, on Facebook, and check out all our videos on YouTube. Our last game up this week is Stump. No designer. Published by <laughs> Milton Bradley. 1968. Number of players, two to four, ages 10 and up. Playtime, about 30 minutes. Okay, Mikey, what's in the box? The cover of this box shows a nerdy guy <laughs> being crushed between a red wall and a blue wall. And the name Stump, with the instruction... Put the squeeze on your opponents. <laughs> <laughs> Inside, you'll find 42 cards, which is 40 regular numbered cards, 1 through 40, and 2 wild cards, a numbered wheel, and a score pad. And that's what's in the box. Okay, before we squeeze a review out of this game, Evan, tell <laughs> us how it's played. Stump is a card game in which the goal is to be the first to play all your cards in your hand. The game uses a ring numbered from 1 to 40 with sliders on it. At the start, the sliders are set randomly. 
On your turn, you draw a card and then play a gapper if possible. Now, a gapper is a card falling in between the numbers where the sliders rest, as indicated by the sliders' arrowheads. And finally, discard a card, moving a slider to the discard's number. Don't forget the wild cards. If a player goes out, he wins 5 points plus 1 point per card still held by the other players. You play to 25 points to win the game, and that is stump. Stump, stump, stump! (laughs) I love uncredited games. I mean, I I, I don't love it in a way, okay, because, you know, it would be nice for the people to have gotten some credit for some of these older games from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. They were not into credits for anything back then. You had to fight for a credit. The concept of the designer games actually started with the Euro game trend. Yeah. Yeah, in America, you worked for the game company, so the game company got the credit because they were paying your bills. That's right. right. <laughs> we're paying you $4 an hour. Just work. Work harder. <laughs> Just grind out games. I guess unlike actors, they game designers did not have a union to make sure they got credit. <laughs> no. no. They still don't have a union, but at yeah. least they're getting credit now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we played this game live. It was one of Evan's great finds. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Dust it off. Yeah, you can check out some pictures of it on Instagram. It looks definitely like it's from its era. Holy 60s. (laughs) Dated. Everything about it, the font, the cartoon style. But I'd say also in a good way it looks dated because they have that crazy board that's made out of plastic and has places to put your cards in mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like sliders. You don't see that that often anymore. Yeah. Yeah. The the plastic, you just don't see this much plastic. And, and honestly, that slider looked kind of cool. It was kind of cool. It didn't just look cool. It was fun to use. A ring and a slider. You think like, oh, that may not work all that well. But no, they, they engineered it and it does do the job. No doubt about it. Uh, it actually gave me some inspiration to like create a game that uses a system like that as a mechanic for the game. Uh-huh. It's an interesting system because you can move the sliders back or forward on your turn. Mm. And there is some legitimate strategy there. Yes, you're always trying to squeeze the gap. Okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe strategy <laughs> is too strong a word. Well, not always. Not always. Well, okay. But it's nice to have <laughs> choices there. Mm-hmm. in which way to go. I found that a lot of fun. And I did f- catch myself wanting to touch that wheel and getting excited <laughs> when it was my turn to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I couldn't wait. So besides this cool wheel, uh, the cards were pretty basic. <laughs> Very basic. Oh, yeah. Easy to read, but basic. I mean, one through 40 with a big number in each corner and a fat number right in the middle. too. Yeah. And thank you for not over-designing the cards. Like that, what was that other game we played where you couldn't even understand what was going on on the busy card? Oh, the one with the big giant cards all the yeah. way around the square. What yeah. the heck was that even called? <laughs> we uh, forgot for, it already. Yeah, for we forgot luck, the name. Something for luck. Or... Up for grabs. Up, up, up for, for grabs. grabs. <laughs> yeah, forgettable. Forgettable. Yeah, it, was, it, was one, it was one of our worthy nominees, I believe. Love and it, it yeah. had a score pad. Oh, Celeste, don't you <laughs> love did. those score pads that come in the old games? That is something Absolutely. you don't see all that much in. You do see it occasionally with the, you know, some games, but you saw it a lot more often in the older games. The, the yep. score pad accompanying the game. Where was the golf pencil? Yeah, well, I didn't see any golf pencil. Yeah. I mean, come on. 
And it didn't come with a golf pencil. Yet another pro for this. <laughs> exactly. I agree. <laughs> um, with Me and Celeste don't agree on everything, but that's one thing that we wholeheartedly <laughs> yep. agree on. And it, it's not like they were missing. Okay, we got all the components. It's just Milton Bradley decided they couldn't spend the, the, the two cents on four golf pencils. and uh, They figured people had enough golf pencils from their other Milton Bradley <laughs> that's games. That's right. They bought 4,000 of our other games. They all have golf pencils. They'll just use some of I those. mean, look at the guy in the cover being squeezed. Clearly from the 70s, and he clearly, well, 60s. maybe he didn't play, play, play golf. I don't know. Oh, that's a golfer. <laughs> oh, yeah. He looks like a golfer. <laughs> <laughs> he might have golfed. Uh, yeah, yeah, I liked even the structure of the plastic around the wheel where you discard it into this cool little space where it was even designed to the point where you could tip the cards up and grab them back out for ease of getting them back out. That was slick. And that's part of the engineering I was talking about of this game. It, it was well, it was pretty well thought out as far as the design of these components. I wonder if the game designer also designs designed the pieces the components see now this is something interesting that i'd love to mm -hmm. know but you know there's no information about this stuff from milton Bradley. they probably had a mechanics department and uh and a, like a uh, a building department where they actually physically made the game i bet you there are two separate departments could be well, i i can't speak to this game but often the person who designed the game is different than the person who developed the game the developer mm -hmm. is usually more involved with the physical construction of what the components are going to do, what the, the box size is, the size and shape of all the individual components, yep. what they're made out of. That's kind of what the developer does. Yeah, and the developer actually spends a lot of time thinking about not just how well the game is handled by people, but also stuff like, is it going to be cheap enough to ship if we make it like an inch mm -hmm. wider? You know? <laughs> so mm -hmm, they, right. they have a lot of other nitty gritty stuff to worry about other than the gameplay. Now, there's a number on the cover of the box that's right under, it says Milton Bradley Company, Springfield, Massachusetts. And then in a box, a very clear, bold number, 4870. What do you think that oh. is? I think that's the game number? Hmm. Um, My guess, just, just a guess, is that the product code? That's what I was oh, going to like say. Oh, like a pre, a pre um, what do they call those? UTP, U UPC code. UPC code, yeah, pre-UPC. Right. Okay. So yeah. if Woolworths, say, is going to order... They want 700 units of 4870. Of Stump that, the card That's how game. it works. They don't talk. 700 <laughs> units of Stump? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, to, to, to yes. all those Woolworths, you know, around. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Bradley's <laughs> and Caldor, they all needed oh, stuff. To... Anyone know what we're talking about with these games? With yeah. these stores? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Woolworths, yeah. McCrory's was the one near Caldor. <laughs> all right, how are we doing, guys? Anything else? Well, we should actually talk about the gameplay a little. <laughs> All right, let's do a quick talk about the gameplay. All right, but honestly, All right guys, how's the game actually played? <laughs> I always thought it was interesting um, with the card because you had a choice usually where, like, I can save this card and use it as a gapper later, but it's so close to the other card, I can use it to put the squeeze on the opponent. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, you always had to choose between grief and strategy every turn. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So many cards I had to sacrifice just to squeeze the gap that I really wanted to use as my gapper. Mm -hmm. Well, that's part of the strategy. You know, you, that's why sometimes you might open the gap a little wider at one point so that, because you know you can maybe play your last card into a wider gap that nobody has the chance to close enough. But be careful. You're opening it up for your opponents, too. Yeah, I would think in a two-player game, that would work a lot better. A four-player game, mm -hmm. by the time it gets back around to you, that gap's going to be right. completely in a different place. 
And there's an interesting talk with that, uh, the WoW card. Like, I use mine to get myself out of trouble, but I can see some people trying to, to save it for their last card who can guarantee an out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You can't use a wild card if the gap is completely closed. Right, no, which is rare, but, but yeah, it does happen. And I found the game ends up being a little bit of a waiting game, you know, like a lot yeah. of card games, where it's like, okay, I'm down to my last card, so I just got to hope I draw the right card to be able to go out. Yeah, which is a feature of some of these older games that is pretty mm-hmm. consistent, and that happens often. I think that that's the trade-off you get for a game so simple as this, though. Agreed. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Stump. Evan? Stump is fine. <laughs> it's, it's basic. <laughs> it's a rainy day family game. You know, there are some elements of strategy. It's not pure luck of the draw. So on the, that basis, you dig it up. You know, <laughs> in that case. <laughs> yeah, okay. Ed? Stump looks and feels like an old classic. It's very simple to learn and play while offering some very basic strategy and luck. This is not necessarily a game I feel the need to rush out and add to my collection. <laughs> but at the same time, I did enjoy playing the game and would play it again. For that reason, I'll dig it up. Mike? Eh, this isn't the type of game where I'd get my friends together for a whole day of gaming and that would be the one game that we played all day. <laughs> Stump Day. Yeah, stump Day, everybody. Get ready for Stump Day. <laughs> stump Town. We made a seven-layer dip. It's Stump Day. Woo-hoo. Stump Town. But, you know, it's fairly quick. It's really easy to learn and really easy to teach. And it's good enough for what it is. So I'll say dig it up. Come on over, guys. Let's stomp the stump. Let's stump it up. <laughs> Beers, man. Have you been to the Stump, stump. Facebook page? Stump, stump Fest 95. Crunking and stumping. Hashtag stump. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe we all dug this game up because I too was able to squeeze enough entertainment out of this game. Squeeze. So the wheel itself, come on, won me over. Yeah. Dig yeah. it up. <laughs> if you have thoughts about Stump Day, Stump, Stump, Stump Day, Stump, Stump Day, 1985, <laughs> Stump Day, bullets out. <laughs> Uh, let us know. We are at which game first? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Check out our pictures and our funny videos on YouTube. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. If you want more perks and content from our show, you can become a supporter. We would really appreciate it. We love our patrons and you will get access to our exclusive patron-only podcast. Bonus points. Bonus points. Please leave us a like, a rating, or a review anywhere you can. Give us a shout out in any conversation. It really helps us grow. Join our chat on our Discord server and happy gaming, explorers. Stump Town! It's time to go back to the past to solve the crimes of yesterday. Bushido! 